There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. Today should have been the end of what was a fabulous test series between England and India, but instead the fifth test was cancelled just two hours before the scheduled start after India were unable, or said they were unable, to field a team due to fear of COVID spreading through their camp. Over the next hour, we'll discuss the fallout from this and get the view from respected Daily Mail cricket correspondent and Wisden Almanac editor Lawrence Booth. As well as this, we'll also speak live with the England fast bowler Timal Mills after he was selected in their preliminary squad for next month's T20 World Cup. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. Army, I'd like to say that the dust has settled and we can all take a measured view of what happened, but... I think it's fairer to say that the dust is still very much swirling in the air. We're going to get an expert view as well from uh, the Daily Mail cricket correspondent and and, uh, editor of the Wisden Almanac, Lawrence Booth, in just a moment. But your thoughts, first of all, on on what happened? You've had a a couple of days to sleep on it. It hasn't changed, to be honest. I still think the player power, IPL, everything that goes with it. And I understand somebody that suffered on tour mentally, um, and I really do understand some of the restrictions that these guys have had. But this series is 1-1. That game's still on. In Mayor Manners, me and you predicted this was going to happen. We we predicted on this very first show that that fifth test match, the, the noises that were coming out of India, what they wanted, move the test match forward, have a four-day test match. This was on the cards. I didn't believe that this test match would, would go ahead. And they're all come true and I still think it's player power. I just cannot believe the BCCI can let a test match not be played. You know, can you imagine if it was the other way around? What sort of, what the headlines would have been then less than 24 hours after the game was called off. 
you know, the majority of the IPL players were back in, or they were in the UAE ready to go. And six days quarantine, IPL starts on the seventh day. I just think it's it's morally it's wrong. Contractually, you've got to fulfil them as an organisation, the BCCI, to come in with the ICC. And, you know, where's their stance on this? Because I just, I just think it's all wrong. I still think it's wrong. Well, I'm delighted in not very happy circumstances to welcome Lawrence Booth onto the show for the first time this summer um, because he wrote a brilliant piece explaining everything in the Daily Mail and, and what, the, what the ramifications and the possible consequences are. Um, there are so many issues, Lawrence, and I'm hoping you'll be able to give us a, a, your usual um, concise and easily understandable explanation. The BCCI have offered to play two T20s, which... I find really hard to, to digest in place of a of a test match. What is the situation and is it likely to be resolved in the foreseeable future? The situation is, as you summed it up earlier, the dust is swirling around in the air and, and no, it's not likely to be resolved in the foreseeable future. If you remember the, the 2006 test at the Oval, England against Pakistan, when they refused to... I think Harmi was playing in that one. Playing, yeah. And that, that result got changed twice over the next two years. I mean, I'm not saying this is going to take two years to resolve, but the ICC aren't known for quick decisions on this. I mean, the basic situation is, yes, the BCCI have offered to play two T20s against England, uh, two extra T20s, because, of course, India returned to England next July for six white ball internationals, three ODIs, three T20s. There isn't much space between the end of a test series against New Zealand, then India's white ball matches, then South Africa's white ball matches and test series. So that's one possibility. The other possibility is to reschedule the test match next summer too, but there's there's less time for that. So they may have to rejig. That, that's the ECB's preferred option, by the way. They want to play this test match. Obviously, they don't want two T20s because that means less money. That's not necessarily going to satisfy the broadcasters who forked out between them £25 million pounds, um, to, to cover this game. There's the question of ins- uh, ticketing, corporate hospitality, food and drink. That's about £10 million. So two T20s is not going to satisfy anyone really in England um the, the big issue is how much money can they recoup can they recoup they want to play this test match now that's one thread to this very complicated story um the other one is what happens to the result of this game and and that also has insurance ramifications England want to say in the meantime that India have forfeited the game because they failed to provide a team to take the field India are saying well look it was to do with covid and that would mean that the ECB's insurance be, would be invalidated. If, if the ECB can argue that the reason they didn't take the field was for mental health issues, all the players are tested negative for PCR tests, but they were anxious about COVID, mental health issues will allow the ECB uh, to, to recoup their losses on a, uh, for, for insurance purposes. So that argument is going on in parallel to the discussions about what will or won't happen next summer with the rescheduled game. It's a total mess. I mean, yesterday I was in touch with the ECB they said that they've been in touch with the, the ICC to to push for a two-all for a forfeiture and a two-all result, which would allow them to get both a draw and their, their insurance money back. Got in touch with the ICC ten minutes later. They said they'd heard nothing from the ECB. So th- this thing will drag on and on. Re- recriminations will, will be thrown from from both sides, and meanwhile um, the IPL will start soon, and it's in danger of all being swept under the carpet. What happens if? England miss out on a place in the next World Test Championship final by five or ten points, and a win in the fifth Test match would have got them in there. There are so many financial implications. Sure, that's one of the many imponderables at the moment. And, of course, you've always got to factor in 
the fact that the ECB don't want to upset the BCCI. I mean, no one wants to upset the BCCI <laughs> for obvious reasons. They, they run the global game. And, and don't forget that if we're talking about £40 million loss for the ECB for this game, a cancelled IPL would, would, would be about 10 times as much. Uh, arguably, it could be about four hundred million. So you can see what you can see why the the BCCI, which side they they think their their bread is buttered. But yes, there there are some within close to the ECB who believe that they shouldn't have, as they see it, bent over backwards the other day and and accepted everything that the BCCI said. They 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 think they should have stood up to the BCCI, BCCI and said, no, this isn't good enough. You can't just walk out of a test match two hours before <laughs> the game's about to start with twenty one thousand people on their way to. Manchester and countless stallholders who, who set aside food for 85,000 people across four days left in the lurch without a word of apology from the players, a, a simple statement from the BCCI, which included a small line of apology at the end of it. No, that's not good enough. You know, that, that is a strong view in England. On the other hand, the ECB are desperate to get Indian players in the hundred. <laughs> that is regarded as their, their, their great goal. And if, if, if they're going to upset the BCCI at any stage along the way, that may not happen. It may not happen anyway, <laughs> but but th- th- that is not a risk they want to take. So it's all kinds of politics involved here. The BCCI will probably got, get what they want. They usually do. And the ECB may just have to, to, to lump it. But Lance, uh, now the, I understand the, the 100 bit and yes, yeah, staying in with the BCCI and, you know, talking about a lot of people talking about um, whether it was right from a scheduling point of view, World Test Championship, we had to fit the 100 in and then this was on the end. Some people were saying, like me and Manners, that this, this test match was always going to be in jeopardy because where it's going. But how do we get to this situation of, is it, and my, my statement right at the very start was, this is the beginning of the end for test match cricket. If players can just walk away, but how do we get to that point? Is it the, the players are so powerful in India, they're saying to the BCCI, we're not playing. Where if that was the case in England, England ECB would have just said, well, if you don't want to play, we'll find somebody else that does want to play. How can how can the BCCI not be able to fulfil a team for a test match, especially with 21 players in the UK? And I'm thinking Premiership football happened yesterday, two days ago. Newcastle United played Man United, 70-odd thousand. Ronaldo's debut. If one of the players on Wednesday or Thursday had got COVID, the game would have still gone ahead. I, I don't think the BCCI are necess- necessarily disappointed with this outcome. I mean, what, what, what they've ended up with here is is a group of players who will not catch, will not have COVID by the time the IPL starts yeah. and the IPL won't be in jeopardy, therefore risking £400 million or whatever the, the, the broadcasting rights are. The, the, the BCI are not unhappy with this. And the, this, this, this question about player power, I think it's been slightly overstated. I mean, I, I think that the Indian players, there must, there must have been some pressure from the BCCI. As you guys have discussed already, the BCCI didn't want to play this test match from the start of the series. Now, that's not to say that they were looking for an excuse to get out of it and the excuse presented itself. It's just that it hasn't, they're not unhappy with, with yeah. the outcome. Why is that the case? Well, because they're the most powerful board in the world. And whether we like that or not, that is the way the world game runs. And look, lots of other countries benefit from, from, from the IPL too. It's not just India, though they, they're obviously the chief beneficiaries. Um, so my, my gripe isn't so much with the players. It's with a schedule that has become impossible. Um, it's with, National boards have thrown everything into the white ball system. Um, something like this is always bound to happen. You know, a marquee fifth test. Crazy. That, that I mean, can you imagine 10 years ago, the idea that a fifth test between England and India with the series at stake would just be called off at a moment's notice? Absolutely unthinkable. But this is the direction of travel now. We're not going back. 
um, it's a question of what concessions the ECB, if any, can squeeze out of the BCCI in the, in the weeks and months ahead. But what sort of organisation is the ICC then uh, letting this happen? Because they are supposed to be the FIFA of, of you know, from a football point of view and cricket. Do we Are we now just making an absolute joke shot for the ICC? Because that seems to be what's the key. Who, is, who from the ICC has let, let this happen? Well, it's a good question. I mean, the ICC these days are little more than events organisers. They appoint umpires and they, they fine players for having stickers that are too big on their bat. And that's pretty well it. Um, they have no they have no say over anything over the way the game is run. Important decisions because the ICC is essentially its members is made up of its constituent members, and more importantly, the the, the most um, the, the constituent members with the most clout, which is the BCCI, followed by a huge gap, followed by England and Australia, followed by a big gap, and then the rest. So the ICC is largely irrelevant in this and and I think as we'll see with the the delay between between now and when whenever a decision is made on this game uh, we'll, we'll we'll prove that so the BCCI run the game like it or not very very briefly you you as editor of the wisdom almanac are, are kind of regarded as a, as one of the chief guardians of the game um, and and we all look up to you for for your opinion i just want to know are you worried yeah damn right i'm worried um, as Army says, it, it's perfectly plausible to say, is this the beginning of the end for Test cricket? We don't even know if the Ashes is going to happen yet, for sure, this winter. I mean, I know that COVID is the, is the issue there. But if the IPL expands, if they do two competitions a year, who, who knows where this will end? How much Test cricket will South Africa be playing in five years' time? West Indies, New Zealand, Sri Lanka? No one can say for sure. I, mean, I, I fully accept that cricket is always in the grip of an ex- existential crisis. That's kind of the nature of the game. You look back at Wisden Editor's notes from 100 years ago and it's all woe is me and, and, and there'll be no cricket in five years' time. But I think for the first time in Test cricket's history, we can really say that the game has changed. You know, there, there's, a, there's a new beast in town and will the five-day game uh, have the wherewithal and the strength to, to resist it? I, for the first time, um, I, I, I begin to doubt that. Oh, dear. Thank you for your time, Lawrence. Thank you. I'm going to get you back on to something more cheerful next time. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Harmy, you and I suggested strongly this might happen way back in May. It was interesting that Tom Harrison, as he no doubt had to do, denied that it had anything to do with the IPL. In fact, before we discuss that, let's hear what Tom Harrison had to say on that. I don't think the IPL has got anything to do with this. And I'll stress that point. The IPL, this is, this is not uh, a situation which has been created by the rescheduled IPL. I just fundamentally do not believe that for a second. Well, he had to. As Lawrence Booth said to us, Harmi, he, like everybody else, doesn't want to upset the BCCI. He had to say it had nothing to do with the, with the IPL. But, but the BCCI said way back in May that they wanted the fifth test to be brought forward and played at the beginning of the series. They said then, when they rescheduled the IPL, that the fifth test was too close. You know what? I've, I've, he's taking strain, isn't he? I mean, he really has. He's, he, he's been quite a bureaucrat at times, but he's clearly taking massive strain. He's trying to do the right thing, simultaneously not upsetting the BCCI. Yeah, and it's, it is. It's, it, it's hard to... It's not hard to understand why... Uh, Tom Harrison said what he said. Um, also, as pundits and you know, working in the media, you try and be a, you know as as truthful, factful, and objective as you possibly can be. 
But it's it's blatantly obvious, staring you in the face. And I don't blame you know the players and you know for for wanting to protect what they've got with the IPL. You know this is what they were saying a long a long time ago. But I just I just don't understand you know how we can get to this situation. You know if we knew back then that they didn't want to be involved in it, how does it get to two hours before the game starts and the players say right we're not going? Is it if it was one one? I'm kind of imply that in, in kind of thinking that the game would have gone ahead. But for Tom Harrison to say it's got nothing to do with the IPL or it's not the IPL, then you know, I'm not even sure who he's trying to kid. You know, he's trying to convince himself, but he's not convincing me or the vast majority of people who have played this great game, who have worked in this game, who have you know, broadcasted on this great game. And for me, it stinks to the high heaven. Do you understand the Indian players' argument, given that they had a 21-strong squad, 21 players, purely uh, or as a direct result of COVID, they all tested negative the day before the test was due to start, all of them. The reserve physio, the main physio was in isolation. The reserve physio had treated all of them. There was a concern that there would be a, this mass spread of, of COVID, according to the players who wrote a letter to the BCCI at midnight, led by, by Virat Kohli. Do you, do you understand? Is there a cohesive argument? Playing devil's advocate, um, you know, removing all cynicism, can you understand what their argument was? And is it in any way legitimate? Yeah, I think it is. And I've, like I said, I've said many times, you know, to begin the end for Test Match Cricket, the player power that comes into it, when the organisation of the BCCI should have found a way of getting 11 Indian players on that pitch to play a bit like what England did. I know it's harder. England did against Pakistan for the one-day international. And that's why the IPL comes into it, because of the you know, 21 players. You're right. You know, Premier League football match, if somebody got COVID in midweek, you know, would be isolated out of the dressing room, the game was still gone ahead. You know, whether it was Harry Kane, Paul Pogba, Cristiano Ronaldo, you know, if it was Virat Kohli, you don't want to see, you know, this happen. And we hope that, I do hope that the physio and I understand, you know, everybody is is well and, and, and fighting, fighting fit. But when the players have got that much power, where is it going to, where is it going next? And what's it going to do next? And that's the thing that worries me. I've got, I've got no issue with the players saying to their organisation, look, We've been close contact with this physio. We've been in a bubble, which is not being, which is not strict, which is not strict. You know, manners. Me and you were part of a a group who were were commentating on the South African series when England decided to come home. England's argument, uh, rightly so at the time, was South Africa let it in. India let the COVID into the into the camp by possibly not being as tight as what what England were. But at the end of the day, for me. It's above the players. This my argument and my criticism. It's above the players because the actual players itself, and not only protecting their interests, but the anxieties of being around there. Fine, you have that, but the BCCI should have found a way of making sure that game went ahead. Um, but I do have you know a huge amount of sympathies. You know they have to spend they spent countless hours and weeks and months and even you know yeah in a bubble. I would imagine mentally it would put a huge strain when you've got an IPL around the corner in less than a week. And if you do catch COVID because the PCR tests were all negative, 
all negative. The game from a safety aspect was all okay to play. But for me, when the players were were tested and they were all negative, that's when the BCCI should have been saying, you know, this game should be, we need to fulfil our contractual obligation. But from a player's point of view, you know, you can say, well, we've been in close contact with that physio. That PCR test in two days' time, it might be different. That's in the middle of a test match. I might have to stay in England for an extra 10 days. I might miss the first round of IPL. I might not get, you know, fully paid and get me placed back when I get back to the IPL if I have to stay over here. So I, I can understand fully from a player's point of view. My, my gripes with the organisation, the game should have gone ahead. OK, that's the player's point of view. I'm going to get the views of two other people now. This is what Chris Millard um, of the uh, Barmy Army had to say uh, from a fan's perspective. With the IPL around the corner, there is absolutely no doubt this is this would be played if it wasn't for the IPL happening in, in 10 days' time, is it? Something like that. So it's an absolute outrage that they have such power. Um, the Indian players being, being the ones that will have pulled out to protect their IPL contracts and the commercial rights, yes, of course, they're huge and we have to respect that. But let's be honest, they needed to fulfil this fixture and finish the series. It's, it's absolutely shocking that they were allowed to pull the plug and that was that. That was Chris Millard from uh, the Barmy Army. And the other view that I want to get is from another man whose opinion I respect enormously. Both Harmy and I, with respect to both of us, Harmy, it's been a quarter of a century since I bought a ticket and sat in the stands yeah. as a fan, to, to be honest. Um, and, uh, and you being Steve Harmison probably don't have to buy too many tickets yourself, although <laughs> you've probably bought a couple more than me. But Scott Taylor puts this show together and he is far more grounded, I think, He's our producer. Uh, you would have heard him once or twice interviewing players, and I've persuaded him to take the headphones off and actually join in. Scotty, you were you took to social media, and I and you were deliciously irritated. You, you as you have to be as a producer, were have, you're very calm. You 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 never get emotional, but you were you were properly irked, and 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 I'd like you to have your say. Yeah, I was because it's just not good enough. It's the, it's the timing more than anything, man. There's two hours before a test match they pull out. Like the, the physio tested positive the day before. And that's when the alarm bells ring. And if the players knew that there'd be close contacts by then, they would have known on the Thursday. Why wait until midnight to write a letter? Why wait until two hours before to to call off the test? If they announced it on the Thursday, you would have had the opportunity for people to cancel the hotels. You can do that by 2pm at most hotels. You can have the opportunity to cancel the trains. But the one good thing to come out of this is, is what Lanks did with the, uh, with the spare food, donated it to the food bank. I thought that was a, a brilliant gesture from the county. But yeah, as I say, it's just the timing stinks, to be honest. Uh, Scotty, you, you've had a, a troll around social media and you've seen... And 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 read and and heard from people who who were looking forward to this. It might even have been you know one of the highlights of of their summer. Um, looking forward to to being at the fifth test match. Do you think? And you've also you 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 know you're a great media watcher. Do you think that there's an element of unfairness? Do you think that the Indian players, never mind the BCCI, do you think the Indian players have any justification in feeling hard done by? It's difficult for me to say because I've not been in a position where I've been offered a multi-million pound contract to go and play in the IPL a few <laughs> days after playing in the fifth test. So it's always, you do have sympathy with the players in terms of, you know, you can't joke around about mental health. It's, it's obviously very real. It affects a lot of people. So you have to be careful in that respect. But why wait until two hours beforehand? And 
And the reasoning's quite intrigued me because they said it's fear of catching COVID, which is one thing. The other thing is fear of catching COVID to then not be able to play in the IPL, which is then ultimately the reason why this test match has been cancelled. Scotty, I'm, I'm slightly worried. Who, who's got the wheel of this show now? <laughs> OK, well, I just want to make one final point about that England leaving South Africa. And, the, and there was a lot of anger and a lot of resentment, and it was felt to be totally unjustified. But we know so much more about, about the pandemic, about COVID-19. We know that people have been vaccinated now. And I just want to say that back in December, when England got onto the bus to go to the ground and got to Newlands in Cape Town, arrived at the ground, that was creepy when it was called off then. That yeah. was creepy. And I think there's no greater fear than the fear of the unknown. And there was far more that was unknown back then than, than there was known. I know that England were more interested in playing golf than cricket on that tour. I know all of that. And, you know, they, they, they didn't appear to be particularly committed to, to the tour. It was, you know, at the back end of a summer, they were worried about missing Christmas. There were all lots of worries. But there was an element of, of the creepy unknown back then. You know, can you imagine getting onto a bus, arriving at the ground? It's one thing. Well, I mean, I suppose India have just done it, haven't they? They've just called it off two hours before the beginning. Yeah, and it's, like I said before, it's, and Scott's mentioned it, and a good point you mentioned, that is the, um, the, the, the two hours before, that's what's done a lot of people, have made it a lot more resentment than South Africa, no crowd. Yeah, that it wasn't it wasn't a big issue. It was it was a huge issue for South African cricket. But like you said, man, it's, it's we know a lot more about what's going on now, and we know a lot more about how to deal with it now. That's right, exactly right. Um, and you know, we're we're making progress. We're we're taking baby steps forward. Uh, you're listening to the Cricket Collective on Talksport Two with me, Neil Manthorpe, and Double Ashes winner Steve Harmison. Next up, we'll be joined by England fast bowler Timol Mills after he was named in the squad for next month's T20 World Cup. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with the Institute of Cricket. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. 
To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados. Truly the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. If you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast, now available from the following on feed via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, England have announced their 15-man preliminary squad for next month's T20 World Cup with Sussex fast bowler Timal Mills returning to the international setup for the first time since 2017. We'll speak live with uh, Timor very shortly, but let's hear from Vice-Captain Joss Butler, who believes, not surprisingly, that England have enough quality in the squad to go all the way. Yeah, I certainly believe so. Um, I think it's a really exciting squad. And I think the, the strength and depth in, in white ball cricket is, is fantastic. And you, know, you look down that uh, sheet of paper with those names, there's some, some brilliant players and some match winners there. So um, we'll be... When we get on that plane to go there, fully um, you know, excited for that, that challenge um, and you know, going out there to try and win that tournament. That was England Vice-Captain Joss Butler, uh, not surprisingly saying that England have the weapons to, to go all the way and win the T20 World Cup. And one of those weapons joins us live now, Timel Mills. What a, what a fantastic um, comeback again. It's, am- it's amazing because Harmy and I have been saying for most of the summer, you know, how do you get into this England T20 squad? You, you know, that we've, we've been trying to fit 18 or 19 players in. And for to be honest, um, right up until the last minute, you weren't one of those names and you've, you've just kicked <laughs> the door down. You've kicked the door down and stormed the barn. Oh, thanks, guys. Nice to know that you, were, that you always believed in me. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah look, I, I always knew that I was... Well, it's all right. I thought I was always good enough to play for England, but for me, it's just been a case of staying fit for long enough and proving it, and um, and being able to back up performances over the course of you know weeks and months playing in tournaments. So, yeah, like I, I identified at the start of the year this was a there was a lot of opportunity there. Obviously, with the blast and then the hundred, obviously then leading into a World Cup, if I could if I could go well in in those two competitions, I'd like to think I'd, I'd throw my hat in the ring and. Um, and yeah, obviously, luckily I did that. I was really happy with with how I performed over over this summer. Really, still got finals day to go next week, but um, also this week. Um, but yeah, no, it's been it's been a brilliant summer so far. You know, I've worked hard, and it's it's not always been easy. But you know, when I got that call from from Chris Silverwood last week, it kind of made everything worth it. And Timo, you look back as a fast bowler. I understand the the strains on the body. Did you feel that this year with the blast with the hundred? this is going to be my chance. And the pressure that you put on yourself to perform in that, was that the thing that, you know what, if I do that well and Sussex go well and hundred, I mean, Southern Braves go well, I'll get picked for England. I didn't put pressure on myself, but I, I knew in my heart of hearts that if, if I was fit and I was, I was backing up games, I, I always back myself to do well. I always back myself when I'm out on the park. If I'm confident in my body, 
I'm confident that I'll have a good game in, in T20 cricket. Um, you know, but for me, that's just been the problem: is staying fit for, you know, not just playing four or five games and getting injured. It's it's being able to get through a whole group stage, a whole competition. You know, I was really happy with, you know, in the hundred. I, I think I bowled I bowled the most balls in the competition, which you probably wouldn't have. You probably would have got long odds if you would have um, if you if you have had a bet on that before the competition. So I played every game. I bowled my full allocation in in every game. We had one game rained off, but. Um, yeah, that, so that's that was my only thing. That's I, I said it over and over again. I did quite a bit of media kind of over the summer, people talking about the T20 World Cup, and I just kept saying over and over again, I'm just focusing on my body, and if if my body's good, my my cricket's good. So um, yeah, I've put in a lot of hard work, and um, as I said, it, it was nice to, to to see the rewards for that. I'm going to ask our producer Scott Taylor to find all the times we mentioned your name when I <laughs> when I. <laughs> I, I've, in a word of, of my defence, it was it was only your body that uh, that that you know we thought the selectors would be concerned about, and, and I know that uh, we both said, well, you know, um, would you take a chance on him? And that seems very harsh now, um, in in retrospect, but because because you are 100 percent, gosh, you've you've had a battle, haven't you, to to get to 100 percent and stay there. Yeah, um, look, well, as Harmy knows, you, you're never a hundred percent as a no. bowler. You'll always, you'll always have something. But yeah, if 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 you're at ninety ninety five percent, you are kind of at a hundred percent, aren't you? You, um, yeah, you'll always have something that you can just kind of carry and, and play on with. Yeah, look, mainly for me, it's this these last two years. It's been my back, I had kind of back to back stress fractures. I spent three months in a back brace last year well over the winter so I think December January February I was in a back brace all day every day wasn't allowed to do anything um and then I was only allowed to get back in the gym in March start back running in April and then in May I had May to kind of get back bowling to get ready for the blast starting in June so I was very it was it was tough over the winter especially kind of the country was in lockdown as well and it was just it was a tough time kind of mentally being only able to I was allowed to walk and cycle. That was on the on the bike indoors. So every morning in the you know the, the horrible weather. I'm not used to being in the UK in the winters as well. I'm normally like to to get away and, and play in these leagues. So um, yeah, every morning I was out with the dog and, and my little girl, who's who was about six months at the time, out in the pushchair, just walking for kind of an hour, two hours every morning, just just to get out of the house. And then in the evening, once you've gone to bed, I'd be on the bike for an hour, just whilst watching TV. And that was me day in, day out for three months. And it was tough mentally, but it was the one thing that the specialist said I needed to do to, to get the fracture to, to really heal right. And then we had kind of ongoing scans for a few months after that, once I started back in the gym and running, just to make sure that it was all settled nicely. And, and he was really happy and touched wood, you know, obviously since since I've been bowling again, we also made a few altercations to my to my action and to, well, mainly to my run up and things to try and take a bit of stress off my back, which which definitely have helped. And um, yeah, I, I haven't looked back really since since um, since this summer. I've got into a good routine of knowing what, what to do to prepare, what to do to recover, just really listening to my body. So um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's been a great summer. Yeah, it was obviously great to win a trophy with, with Southern Brave as well. That was that was brilliant. I love the 100. Hopefully I'll win another one with Sussex on Saturday and then hopefully go win another for England in, in, in a month or six weeks' time. Oh, happy days and fingers crossed that that does happen. And, you know, you talk about the things that you've had to go through to get yourself in this position, not being in the England squad since 2017. It's a different England squad. Like me and Manas have said all summer, how do you get into it? Well, now you're into it. How excited is it to be in, involved in what 
you know, could potentially be back-to-back World Cups for that white ball squad. And is it like you know, a thoroughbred racehorse? You get just right and right for the for that for that big race and that big tournament. And are you in that position? Yeah, like, I can't wait. It's, it's a World Cup. Um, obviously, I've never been to a World Cup before, so you don't these type of things don't happen too often. So you know, regardless, it'll be something I'll look back with with pride upon. But um, yeah, was, the schedule has been nice. Obviously, so we played the hundred, then we had the quarterfinal with the blast. And then, you know, the schedule wasn't been great this year. What, three and a half weeks from the quarterfinal until finals day isn't ideal, but um, we've managed it really well. So we kind of all had kind of a week, 10 days off just to let the body kind of calm down, spent a bit of time at home. Um, and then we've been back training. Uh, we're lucky at Sussex. We've, we've pretty much got two separate squads. We've kind of got a T20 squad and then the four days. Um, obviously, Sussex have gone in a, in a different direction and they're playing a lot of the youngsters um, with a couple of experienced guys. So as guys that are playing in the T20, we've been training all together for the last couple of weeks. I've just, just come back from training now. So yeah, just been altering altering the training a little bit. Like I bowled two spells today and did some you know running and fielding and stuff in between just to get ready for hopefully two games on, on Saturday. And then, yeah, I'll have a couple of weeks. I'll have to continue training after that, obviously, to get ready for the World Cup. I've got to make use of the pitches, like the nets still being available for another week before the grounds get put to bed because then... I'll have about two weeks before we fly to Pakistan where there won't be any outdoor nets available. As you know, as soon as the county championship finishes for the year, they put the ground to bed, don't they? So um, even though my Sussex season will finish on Saturday, I'll still be bowling the week after whilst the championship's going on just to just to keep bowling. And then, yeah, then I think we join up at, up at Loughborough on the 7th of October. And then both the men's and women's squads that are in the country, we all fly out to, to Pakistan on the 8th to play a couple of games out there before before flying out for the World Cup. So, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to, to the next month. Timor, I want I need to ask you about, about Sussex and finals day, but I've just got this burning question, and it, it may be a very long answer. But you've played <laughs> IPL, you've played Bangladesh yeah. Premier League, you've played Big Bash, you've played Pakistan Super League. A lot of people would be looking, you know, would be thinking, what a glamorous life. Harmi and I were probably thinking, I, we, Harmi and I often think along similar lines, and we'd probably be thinking, that sounds like an absolute logistical and mental health nightmare. That's tough. And the, the life of a, of a freelance um, domestic T20 cricketer, that, that I just look at the, the teams you've played for and the, the amount of travel and integration and, you know, different, accommodation that's has that been a lot to cope with to be honest i'm about to kind of enter stage two of that so up until now it's 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 been great i can't i can't lie it's been awesome awesome traveling all around the world to play in these different competitions for the first couple of years i was young i was single i was just that first winter when i first did it i went i left england in october i went to bangladesh from there i went to new zealand then i went to australia for the big bash then to india to play for england then to the IE to play in the PSL. I was away for six months, solid. But when you're young and single with no responsibilities, it's, it's the best best six months you mm. could ever you could ever spend. Um, and then last year, so we had my little girl now. She's 14 months. But last winter, I didn't obviously play any cricket because I was injured. Um, so now this winter is going to be. It's, it's kind of from now. I'm going to start spending more time away. But whilst having a family, being married and having a daughter, so that I think it's going to get a lot tougher now. 
it looks like the girls are going to be able to come out for the World Cup. But it, again, the logistics of it are very complicated, obviously, with, with quarantines. I think they might have to fly to Amman and do six days there, but then fly to the UAE. And because obviously you can't do six days in a hotel room with a baby. So my wife, I can't ask that of her. Whereas in Amman, I think you're allowed to at least stay in the hotel. You, you can just stay in the hotel, but at least you can get out of your room. Um, so there's all those logistics you're, you're looking at now. But yeah, it is definitely tough. And then after that, I'll be staying in the UAE to play in the T10. And then I actually turned down, I had interest for the Big Bash this year, but I turned that down because it's two weeks quarantine when you arrive and you're not allowed to bring your families and it's a long tournament. So that's that's three months pretty much away if, if you go and play in the Big Bash and it just wasn't quite quite worth it. Yeah, wherever, wherever we can, I'll, I'll try and, and get the girls a trip. But um, if 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 not, yeah, it's just kind of the realities of it is you have to spend a bit of time away from home. And you've got Kent on Saturday um, in the first semi-final. Um, it'd be great to play two games on finals day, wouldn't it? Yeah, so we did, what, three three years ago, I think it was, we went to the finals day and we lost in the final against Worcestershire in a really good game. So a lot of that squad's returning now. As you say, we play Kent, all, all South Group finals day, which is good to see, the uh, the strongest group getting get, uh, filling it out. So, um, yeah, Kent are a really strong side. So uh, we play in the second game. So obviously we'll see how uh, the Somerset and Hampshire game goes in the morning and then Hopefully, yeah, well, we can take some momentum into that final if we if we can get past Kent. But yeah, look, as, as you all know, finals day is a great day. Everyone's looking forward to it. As you said, this three and a half week gap's been tough because you just want to you just want to get out there and get yeah. playing. But um, obviously, we're in, we're into it now. We're only what five six days away. We're going to tra- we travel up on Thursday, train Friday, and then and then we're all go on Saturday. Fantastic! Thank you so much for your time um, and congratulations on on making the squad. Tommy and I always said that you were you were a shoe in if you were fit and strong. <laughs> now we did. We wish wish you well, Matt. I really do. I mean this from the bottom of my heart. I hope you stay fit. I hope you have a great World Cup because you know there's some people in life you know that do get adversity when it comes to injury, and it'd be great to see you come out the, the other end with a World Cup winners medal. So good luck. No, thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. And it's time now for the breaking boundaries feature. Thanks to David Smith and the Institute of Cricket. Breaking boundaries on TalkSport 2 with the Institute of Cricket. For the best chance of making it in professional cricket, you need to train with us. Find out more at instituteofcricket.com. Well, David, uh, thanks so much for your time and and thank you uh, for being part of the the Cricket Collective. We wouldn't be here without you. So summer's winding winding down now, um, but as always uh, with cricket, that doesn't mean that it's the end of, uh, of coaching and preparation. I guess you've got a busy winter coming up. Yeah, very busy winter. And I think that the, we always work in cycles, to be honest with you. The cricket season finishes and then people start preparing for, for the next season pretty quickly. But how has that been when it comes to, has there been any anxieties from parents uh, from previous years? You know, when it does start, start going straight back, especially if you're starting to go indoors, have you, have you seen any drop off because you know parents are a bit anxious because obviously the new COVID world yeah look I, I've said it a couple of times this week it feels to me like parents have gone the opposite way yeah and it, it honestly feels like as a parent myself that um we're we're in a position now where parents are looking to get their kids into as many different activities as possible and get them active away yeah. from the xbox you know and and we're seeing a massive increase in participation whether that's in schools clubs and also outside of it as well and um and a lot lot of cricket clubs in our area actually tend to finish their their summer program off at the end of the school holidays or the start of the school holidays 
So that's why our program starts, you know, sometimes six to eight weeks after the kids have picked up a bat. Although the cricket season for the adults finishes in mid-September, lots of the kids cricket finishes towards the end of July. So they have been, they have had a bit of a break. And what do you do with them in that time? Because obviously that you're six months away from playing cricket. It's indoors. You don't want young bowlers bowling too much because you that's when they develop body problems, stress fractures and things like that. How do you keep you know, driving the game with, yeah. with taking less pressure on their bodies? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's crucial that we sort of take stock of this season and we, we discuss with each player what, what areas they think they've done well, where we can improve. And, and like you say, try and actually take some time now just to sort of start working. You know, this period is a great time to spend, you know, working on technical issues. And, you know, we don't really want bowlers bowling until after Christmas, really. You know, we want to try and work with them to, to sort of hone any little different individual mistakes or any technical issues that they've got. And also spend a lot of time working on, you know, general uh, sort of fitness elements of their game as well, to be, to be honest with you. And do you do many sort of game-based stuff to keep, you know, the kids still, you know, because you know, I've, I've obviously I've got a 13-year-old and he lost a, a whole year's, years of cricket. So that's why possibly the participation for kids, for, for parents, is to get them, you know, back into it in as much as they possibly can. But you do much sort of, you know, cricket-based little tournaments so they can still keep their, their you know, their juices flowing that way and they compare to the front. Yeah, this, this is the first year that we've actually signed up to some indoor competitions. Yeah. So we're going to try and enter, you know, more indoor cricket competitions that are being run through local cricket boards uh, just to sort of keep the game-based skills going because, you know, yeah, technique is great, but it's also really important, like you say, the children have missed out on a large part of playing cricket matches. So to get them into playing some indoor cricket, I think it's good fun and it also just improves some uh, some different skills as well at the same time. And what other programmes have you got running at this minute? Yeah, so we, we've got... we've got a really exciting October half term program coming up where we're launching our first ever London based session in at Datchet Cricket Club uh, and we're really excited about that we've got you know lots of people that are contacting us from the London areas getting us to uh, sort of asking us when we're going to come and we are coming in October half term but normal venues we've got Oxfordshire, Derbyshire, Warwickshire and Worcestershire as well during October half term so you know lots and lots of cricket and uh, you know we're um, already looking forward to getting back on board. Um, and contact details. Uh, lots of people um, contact us and say, "Oh, how do we get how do we get in touch with David and the Institute of Cricket?" Yeah, so it's the instituteofcricket.com. All of our all the information on our, our camps are all on that website. That was the breaking boundaries feature, thanks to the Institute of Cricket, the place to train for the best part of making it. Breaking boundaries on Talksport Two with the Institute of Cricket. For the best chance of making it in professional cricket, you need to train with us. Find out more at instituteofcricket.com. Well, Harmy, we've spoken a lot about scheduling throughout the summer, and clearly it is an issue that has to be addressed and it has to be changed and it has to be modified. I don't know what the answers are. I'm not a logistics expert, but uh, I do know a little bit about cricket and having these segregated blocks. Of, of cricket at strange times in the summer in order to try and fit new competitions in. I'll get your views on it in a moment, but this is what Joe Root said about wanting to prioritise first-class cricket next summer. It would be nice to see it be um, seriously considered as a priority within that scheduling. Talk, look at how this summer's gone and how, how it's, we've been hampered, whether it be through injuries or or when the games of, in terms of our preparation for these games, 
we've been slightly hampered as a side. Uh, we've been told that Test cricket is a priority in this country, uh, and I think that that should feed into the county game as well and what happens below. So hopefully that is paramount, and that is something that's seriously considered the next year. The England captain is quite forthright, isn't he? Um, he 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 just has the air and the sound of a man that didn't uh, have the best tools at his disposal, you know, in t- certainly in terms of the schedule. Yeah, and that's the, probably the first time we've seen Joe speak like like that. And he's right. He's 100% right, as ever. Both his hands have been tied behind his back. I think his shoelaces have been tied together for the last year or two years of the way Test Match cricket has been played and prioritised. And that's largely down to the way first-class cricket is played and... And that's been prioritised. You know, you go into a test series, five test matches with no first-class cricket in and around it. It's just madness. Where do you pick somebody if somebody's struggling for form, like Zach Crawley? How does Zach Crawley go and get back into the test team? You know, Dom Sibley, how does he go and get back into the test team if he's struggling? You know, where do we get you know, fitness for bowlers if we need, if somebody gets injured and we're not sure about whether they're going to be fit enough? All this stuff comes with it and I think Joe to be honest I just had enough and I think the possibly the pressure of the series yeah the amount of effort he's put in himself to keep England alive and going and the mental exhaustion that the kid it's inevitable he's under and I just think one spiky question led to an answer which he might not have give two years ago or a year ago or even at the start of the series but I think possibly Joe's just had enough good on him for saying it like that because I 100% believe he's right. Absolutely. I don't know what the answer is uh, to the rescheduling, but the, the, it just is an issue that has to has to be addressed. And uh, the ECB want to prioritise the 100, and that won't change. But they just need to cut some corners off the scheduling, don't they? Let's turn our attention back to the IPL, which is kind of where we started with the show. The IPL likes to, to uh, keep hold of its biggest stars, um, but now they've lost um, a couple more of England's biggest stars. Johnny Bairstow and, uh, and David Milan have pulled out, along with Joss Butler and Chris Wokes. And obviously Ben Stokes was uh, not going to be there. Joffre Archer is injured. Um, but in terms of uh, particularly Bairstow, Wokes and Milan, are they, have they pulled out or been encouraged to pull out on the understanding that, that they'll be involved in the Ashes? I hope so. I really hope so. And yeah, good on them for that if that is their, their train of thought and where, where their headspace and mind space is, need a rest. And you know, this is the best time for them to have a rest. So putting their career, you know, the way they perform, hopefully, ahead of the financial you know, gain they would get from, from being in the IPL. So, you know, good on them from doing that if they're looking after their, their England careers and wanting the best England team possible, whether the Ashes goes ahead or not. Well, this is giving them the best chance to prepare for that. Um, and, you know, we'll see what the Ashes brings up further down the line. I just think, you know, quickly on the Ashes, I just think it makes it much more complicated and harder work for the England cricket team going to Australia now after what India have just done. Because if you're in Australia, you know, you're putting a strict, you're, you're putting a straight COVID bubble in place to make sure that goes ahead because of the amount of money Robert Craddock said himself about three weeks ago. 200 million it was going to cost um, um, Australian cricket. So that, on its stake, I can see Australia putting a stricter um, bubble together. And that's something that the, the India, uh, England players are going to have to be ready for. 
Uh, that was a, a very funny statement. Uh, funny is maybe not the right word, but it, it made me laugh out loud. And I was sitting by myself. Um, the ECB said that uh, its IPL players won't be available for the knockout stages of the IPL as they will be on England duty for the two-match tour of Pakistan. That's just not going to happen. It's just, we've seen for over a decade the power of those IPL franchises. And and frankly, whoever it is, if it's, you know, from, from Liam Livingston to Adil Rashid, if they're in the knockout stages, if they're in an eliminator or a qualifier, and uh, and England say, sorry, um, we're going to take them to Pakistan for two standalone T20 internationals. It's just not going to happen. No, it's not going to happen. And we go right back to the start of the uh, the start of the show. England ECB have laid down and getting their bellies tickled by the, the BCCI. And it will happen again. And it will happen again. Watch this space. They say one thing and do completely the other, the, go down the other road. So, no, I fully believe that whoever's in the eliminators, from an England point of view, I don't see them being involved in, in Pakistan at all. Um, and that's just the nature and the harsh reality of what we're dealing with, with the BCCI, ECB, and obviously the ICC. All right, Harmi, it's time for a smile. We're almost out of time. Now, I know that you're a cricket badger. I don't know, though, how closely you've been following the ICC T20 Women's World Cup Africa Regional Qualifiers, which no. have been taking place in Gaborone, Botswana. Have you been keeping an eye on that tournament? No, I've uh, I must, I've missed that one. So so you haven't heard of Cameroon medium pacer Miva Duma? No, I've not heard of Miva Duma. Um, she hasn't been on the TV where I've been in the last <laughs> few days, I must admit. You know, if she wasn't on a TV in, in some golf club bar, then I wouldn't have seen it. <laughs> OK, well, let me just fill you in then. She's the leader of the attack for Cameroon. Um, they were playing Uganda. Uganda going well, really strong team. They're 153 for one. And Miva Duma took the one wicket and then became the first person in any representative international cricket to mancad four batters in the same innings four batters in the same innings uganda went from 153 for one to 186 for six cameroon by the way were bowled out for 35 in reply to lose by over 150 but meva duma <laughs> mancadded four batters in the same innings oh wow can you imagine that specialist subject you know you know what's your speciality i'm a good bouncer bowler you know, Tom Curran, great at bowling at the death. Yorkers from Chris Jordan. Oh, Duma, what can you do? Well, I'm a great man <laughs> Can you imagine that? You're getting picked because you can man Oh, that's priceless. That's, that's made me smile, that. Thanks, Harmy. Same time, same place. Next week, you've been listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. If you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed, now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. This has been the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. 
With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you're keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today.